0: Hello, welcome to Mouthful with Shanti. I am your host, this is episode nine. Thank you for being here. Just to let y'all know, uh, we will be doing an episode of Mouthful of Shanti where I will be the guest and one of my good friends and former guests on one of the previous episodes will be the host and so since i normally write the questions for these interviews i can't write my own so if you have any questions you'd like to submit for my interview please go to my instagram or my tiktok and there you will see a link that takes you to the page to submit your question for me moving forward my guest today hails from new york the very hilarious gay pacheco we talk about education relationships money, pretty much just decolonizing the shit out of all of that. And so here we go. I, I'm kind of shocked by the camaraderie yeah. that I see in uh, in incarceration. Yeah. It's kind of like we're going through this hard, painful thing together. We're trying to navigate how to be in an emotional jail while here because we can't express our masculinity the way we want because we have to be tough. Yeah. So they all kind of, I think, understand that and the loss that they're going through. And through that, I think... You know they're bonding, which is what I see. I'm kind of like, this is this is so nice seeing this. I, I thought it was just tough guys fighting each other all the time.
1: Yeah, you're seeing a lot of trauma bonding. Yeah, in there, and uh, so it's a uh, when when I first heard you mention that you worked in uh, prisons, I uh, when I was in college, I worked at. Uh, a place, Eastern um, Maximum Security Prison. I was at, went to Bard College, and they had a program there, the Bard Prison Initiative, yeah. BPI, yeah. which still goes on today. And the idea was to help uh, incarcerated people um, get like college uh, credits mm-hmm. and sort of continue their education because it's like you can, if you're in independently minded, I you know be an autodidact in prison and like learn, but there aren't. Uh, It felt like there wasn't a a sufficient infrastructure for like rehab.
0: Yeah, I don't feel honestly, the way it's blatant, bluntly been put is that some of these uh, people will not continue their education when released. And some of them. uh, Is that me? Oh, shit. Sorry. I thought I put it on (laughs) silent. Hold on. I'm sorry. Mom, I told you I'm I'm recording right now, and, and, and can I call you later? Yeah, it's okay. Can I read my text? Okay, I love you. Bye. <laughs> sorry, I thought it was. And so um, I'm so sorry. Uh, we were talking about um...
1: rehabilitation. Oh yes, doesn't seem like it's uh, it's something that is really happening.
0: It's not. Really, I think they just wanna keep people in the system rather than thinking about options on how they can survive outside. But higher education, even if they're not gonna pursue it when they are released, higher education while incarcerated, it serves as hope. Instead of providing actual tangible things that can help them in life, they're like, hey, it makes us look bad if you guys keep killing yourself. Right. And it makes the county look bad, right? Yeah, a life life
1: of the mind, you know? That's really, that's really what you need is that we all just, as humans, need to be able to keep our, our noodles entertained.
0: Yeah. So I like that you mentioned that because uh, I know that you teach. And speaking of the life of a mind, you work with younger minds uh, at MoMA. Um, and so, you know, you're telling me about – just tell me about what you do with teaching kids how to find their artistic
1: Oh, yeah. Well – so, I mean, there are a couple different wonderful programs that I've worked with, like, because uh, I've been a teaching artist for a little while, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them at the MoMA is an art lab, and the art lab is one of the few spaces in that building that is in- interactive, and, you know, uh, if you've ever been to Burning Man, you know, how like, at, with art, they're like, uh, or at Burning Man, they're always like, no one's a spectator. Everyone's a participant on the mm-hmm. playa. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of believe that when it comes to just art in general. Mm-hmm. So many museums create a, uh, this distance between the viewer and mm-hmm. the art. And I think a lot of museums are just vanity projects for oligarchs. You mm-hmm. know, they'll buy like a, like a Banksy or like a Claus um, statue and put it up. And it's kind of like them... Uh, showing their ostentatious wealth and taste, mm-hmm. but art itself is something that everyone should be able to do. It's mm-hmm. not something that should be relegated to um, like a creative class. That
0: no gatekeeping for the art. Yeah,
1: yeah. art is not a commodity that only uh, Elon Musk can afford.
0: It's the capitalist mindset that makes it that. You yes, know? Yeah.
1: so even when you work with kids and you say this is a masterpiece, and you show them a Van Gogh or something and you say this is the best, they have no idea why, but now what you're doing is distancing them from the capability of doing that because you're saying this is someone whose work is serious and your little dribbles with crayons are not.
0: Yeah, it's kind of shaping the routine like you were saying earlier. Yeah. Shaping the perspective of what is art to kind of mold them to maybe go into a direction rather than just say, explode.
1: Yeah, yeah, so uh, with this art lab, this is the the antidote to this sort of art as spectator is uh, in the art lab, everyone is a participant. Mm -hmm. And they're exploring lines and shapes and colors, but we have uh, five different um, workstations and when um, when kids come in, I just give them a quick tour of the state of the space. Usually, what their parents have to be there because I'm not within this context. I'm not a guardian.
0: You're not a babysitter. Yeah, the parents need to be there. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a ho- highly
1: qualified uh, art facilitator. Damn right. <laughs> and but also adults. Like if you came by yourself, I'd say Shanti, come come here. Let me show you these different spaces. Now the barrier to entry is super low. But the level of complexity you can take any of these activities to. Okay,
0: I like this. Oh, okay, let me enter this space, yeah. teacher teacher right, Pacheco. Man. We got a
1: bunch of little wires here. Why don't you take five? Let's limit things because good art comes from limitations. Just take five wires. Now make, make something. And some little kid is going to make like a little dog sculpture. But like you might make, you know, uh, I, like I see some erotic art on the walls behind you. You might make like a little... Am I a kid
0: in this situation, bondage creature? No, absolutely (laughs) not. You are (laughs) (laughs) age-appropriate.
1: So, so that is what I was doing most recently before this last uh, comedy tour across the West Coast.
0: Cool. And are these programs like um, how, like price-wise, are they expensive or? Well,
1: no. So this is a this is free for anybody who actually bought tickets to go to the MoMA. Okay. So this is just a space within. So it's the, like the an end,
0: end, of the end of your tour activity, maybe or.
1: Yeah. So it's actually it's in the education annex. So people will wander around the the rest of the Moma, and often they end up in our space, like bewildered, mm-hmm. not knowing that there's yet another uh, another activity space. But parents know, so we'll get the kid the kids come, and I get like New York regulars, mm-hmm. so. You know how a bar has a re- regulars; they'll just be like grizzled parents that come in with their same with the same kids. Yeah, obviously it's the same. And kids the kids that come know with... the
0: situation; they already have a plan.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's more of a sandbox, which is, I think, um, the preferred way to um, have an educational space is one where uh, you have all of the components there, and you have a facilitator, but you don't have an authoritarian who's dictating. Like, this is the way to do it.
0: That's how I feel even in prison with teaching. Like, in no way am I trying to be a dictator because it doesn't invoke the energy that you want to facilitate.
1: Yes, yeah. And you can tell, you know, most of the kids are great. And the ones that um, have any sort of personality issues, it's not them. I can tell it's their parents that Mm -hmm. made them that way. So, like, there were three kids that were there as a friend their friend group and then they all created art and one of them the one of the little, those little girl was like yeah we can't leave yet we, they knew they had to leave cuz we're closing but the little girl's like we can't leave yet until you tell us whose work is the best and she's like asking her mom that and like and i was like oh you like were raised by this like a hyper competitive ambitious uh, mm-hmm. person who is now has already poisoned your mind mm-hmm. Because this kid is like eight years old. And she's like, instead of celebrating the work with her friends, and the other two are collaboratively just making fun things, she's like, no, but which art is the best? Who did the best? Who's the best at being creative? (sighs) With like, you know, the same supplies, nobody cares. But I know that this is like... uh, this is something she's gonna to have to go to therapy for later because it's throughout her life need
0: for validation for <laughs> these things, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's it's already a wrap for this kid, because <laughs> her because her parents poisoned.
0: And you told you you could see this just through some crayons on a canvas. You're like you are fucked up, kid.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I've worked with thousands of children, and yeah. something interesting is that uh, you're. I I do believe parents don't actually ever see their own children as uh, autonomous adults Mm -hmm. or as uh, autonomous beings, rather. Mm -hmm. So, like, I guess one example of this is uh, whenever I go back home, uh, I have a younger brother and sister, and when we hang out with our family for um, holidays, we regress back into our adolescent personalities Mm -hmm. and dynamics. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like all of the work that you that I've did for years on my own um, is erased when I get back into a space with four other individuals who have preconceived notions of my identity that then they put back on me. Yeah you know, You're and like, it's not, I don't feel, impri- this isn't a terrible feeling, but it's like just something I notice.
0: No, your, your family is, is ruining your growth and, and your life, really. <laughs> that's
1: what. You- <laughs> but I'm saying that we fall back into these default patterns or like, you know, maybe you, you may have had an ex or, uh, an old partner who mm, you haven't seen them for years, mm-hmm. but the minute that you hang out again, um, you get back in the same fight yeah. that you had before, even though you've done all this growth. Yeah. And you've become so new and you've yeah. gotten over your jealousies. Yeah. And
0: <laughs> And that can even happen with behaviors in other people that trigger that. Like you might have been like, yeah. "Oh, I thought I'm over this." And this is something that's happening that reminds me that's familiar to another time, and now that familiarity is drawing that old me back. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: So the reason I brought this up with kids and adults or and their parents is that you know, a parent projects this idea onto a child as some, you know, it could be, oh, they're they're innocent. Mm-hmm. I have to protect them. I always have to protect them. Mm-hmm. Or oh, they're really bad at math, mm-hmm. so I always have to make sure that I do the, the make sure that they pay the right prices for things and
0: or they're kind of quirky, so I got to make sure they're acting normal.
1: Yes, yeah. Or they're, you know, I know. Oh, my kid's always rude, so I have to make sure that I like. Shut that down and like always police their etiquette. She's not a a girl enough. She's not a woman enough. She's too much this that. So there's all these different ways that uh, at some point parents see one thing and then they, uh, or maybe they see and then they notice something. Maybe they notice it twice and then they think it's a pattern and then they make it the kid's identity. Mm -hmm. So I would be in um, like uh, student teacher meetings, teacher parent teacher meetings, and. Like, on a Monday, the kid is tiny in my brain. But by Friday, when I was a public school teacher, the child was like a giant in my head because Mm -hmm. they were like a giant toddler or whatever because they were my whole world, Mm -hmm. right, within the myopic space of a classroom. Mm -hmm. And then the moment that their parent would show up for the parent-teacher meeting, the child would, like, shrink in my mind. And Me seeing them on the couch next to their parent, they would shrink. Mm -hmm. But not only that... Uh, My relationship to the kids was often like manager employee. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw them next to their parents, they would then start manifesting like um, affectionate uh, or like they become more uh, childlike Mm -hmm. or more, that's not the right word, like uh, uh, immature. Mm -hmm. You know, they they would need the, the, they would look to the parent to regulate their emotional state. Yeah. in a way where they were managing their emotional state when they were alone. So the parent never actually sees the child Change. as the child is in society. Mm-hmm. They only see they only have a prejudiced view of their child as their as almost their property or like their um in relation to them.
0: Yeah.
1: as a caregiver um receiver of care. Yeah. And I saw that as a tragedy where it's like, oh man, it would suck. Like if I was a parent, I would never notice like my child actually be an adult. Yeah. Or or like a individual.
0: But even when we get to that state of adulthood, some parents are still like, you are still the thing I want you to be like at least for Indian yeah. people, it's very like, This is who you should marry, this is your career you should have. This is so depending on the culture, it's like it never ends until they're dead like it's because yeah you you could be like i'm 54
1: sure and then you're in their head they're like she's a dumb 18 year old (laughs) who continues to (laughs) like ding up the car
0: you're like i just started menopause
1: yeah (laughs) yeah
0: biology science says i'm grown up can you be on my side yeah so i guess i wonder then since you get to see these kids art and you get to know them and their relationship with their family do you feel like when you see their art do you feel like you could ever detect through their art <laughs> anything? And I want to leave this open to something positive. I don't want to just be like, "Can you say who, see who the psychopaths are?" No, I, psychopath. think,
1: uh, I think I uh, think it's um. I do learn from every once in a while. I'd say ten percent of the time I get shocked by mm-hmm. what they do with like the simple exercises because yeah. because sometimes there's there's an innovation. Yeah. But mm, I I I can't I don't get any emotional depth from from what they're doing.
0: I had a good experience. Uh, This kid that I babysit, he's fourteen now, but I've been babysitting him since he was born. And when he was like four, we were just painting, and he just threw a bunch of colors on, and I was like, "What the hell is you know? This is just this is gonna turn into a mess, you know." But you know, and I said, "Oh, what what are you what are you making?" And he said, "I'll know when I finish." Uh, And I was like, whoa, Yeah, that is like some prolific stuff right there. He's like, I'll know when I'm done. I was like, shit, Leo, you're blowing my mind. You know what it was when he was done? What was it? Brown. Yeah. (laughs) Just just brown. That's what it was.
1: (laughs) He's like, that's where we start in the earth. yeah, And that's where we come back to. Uh, I like, so uh, yesterday I was watching this documentary on Keith Mm Haring. And uh, one thing I really like about his work is he does these like, It's uh, graffiti, Mm -hmm. he started as a graffiti artist, but not like cool taggers, not like wild style, but he he, he just drew cartoons. Mm -hmm. And mm, what I saw in this documentary was that he compulsively, he'd hop on the subway and every uh, open advertising block he would just draw a cartoon. And then he might add some words to it, but what was cool about his style is that he didn't have a preconceived notion as to what it would be before he started, mm-hmm. so it was improv plus a limited visual vocabulary. Yeah. So he had like iconic. You can tell right away when you see one of his drawings, yeah, because of the the thickness of the lines and like the curves. Yeah. But it, but he didn't have like a sketchbook where he was like, oh, I have to replicate this over and over and over again. So kind of like with your uh, child that you were babysitting, how how they're like, I'll know what it is when it's done that sort of, yeah, I don't know, man. We're just taking the first step, and I think of art and creativity a little bit like a math problem, mm-hmm. where you uh, just have to take a step, mm-hmm. and then that the end of that step leads to a finite number of other choices you can make. And then from there, you make another choice, and you just keep making choices.
0: Yeah, so maybe not all the colors at once because right. those are too many finite choices at once. We know it's gonna be shit brown.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just
0: do the yellow and blue, and then figure it out from there.
1: Happiness comes from limitations.
0: True, very true. <laughs> so as an educator, um, what are some of the inequities you've noticed in the spaces you work
1: in? No, it's brutal. So many inequities. I mean, I don't even know where to start there. Legion. I think, uh, well, let's take uh, a school with no funding And the first thing you have to deal with is people's mental and physical well-being and health. Mm -hmm. So you show up in a school and immediately a security guard is surly and you um, are late. And you're late because your uh, parents had to drop off other people. Mm -hmm. So you're already getting um, like castigated the minute that you show up by the administration Mm -hmm. for being there late. Uh, then you're in the hallway. You see a fight in the hallway. You go into a classroom that's either too hot or too cold, and uh, and you've got a teacher that started that year, so they have no experience. So right off the bat, um, you're already set up by the conditions to not have a good educational experience. Yeah. You know, and then you go to another place where there's a friendly person that opens the door to a carpeted. Uh, atrium or whatever s- s- lobby, and then there's uh, s- organic snacks that have, have been a made. A petting zoo. Yeah. So, and then there's an expectation that um, your everyone is treated like a, you know, a, a like a prince or a princess or a snowflake, and that just being treated. And I'm not even saying that in a negative way. It'd be great if we could all be treated like. And see and have our individuality recognized, Mm -hmm. Um, but if you if you're taken care of from the start, you're going to have a better experience. You're gonna and or not only better experience, but you're gonna learn how to play, and I think play and learning are intertwined.
0: And I think also that you mentioned expectations with expecting them to be treated like decent human beings. And I think on the reverse, there's expectations in these maybe impoverished communities that are facing these types of um, uh, things like AC being not working or being too hot or being too cold or like those situations. I think they expect those kids to be misbehaved, to be criminal, to be, you know, and that's why they're maybe more disciplinary towards these little kids who-
1: Yeah, we use uh, fake uh, terms or we weaponize terms like grit or resilience, and uh, these things are corporate terms that are meant to make you not form a union when you're a worker. Mindfulness is another one of these terms. All of these HR, human resource terms Mm -hmm. that have nothing to do with um, material analysis and with making your life as a worker better. Um, uh, These terms are all like to internalize uh, responsibility and guilt and have you police yourself, so be mindful. Uh, don't, don't express your emotions when you are in an unjust situation, learn to count to 10 and, uh, turn all of those negative feelings inward is what mindfulness really is. Um, resilience. Oh, well, we're not going to give you water. So, uh, or a bottle for water. So find a way to keep that Dixie cup all day long and fill up your tiny little Dixie cup. The, the one time we let you go to the water fountain resilience is sort of another term or grit like why why should a child have grit do you
0: it's a way to kind of excuse the injustice that's happening it's like hey well if we label it like this then you can perceive it in a different way
1: yes yeah Yeah. so we ask people to do more with less Mm -hmm. in uh, in impoverished communities Yeah. And uh, so the, I saw this everywhere. Like I worked um, middle schools when I first started teaching. I worked middle schools in the Bronx. Uh, I taught um, science, middle school science, sixth, seventh eighth grade for two years. And then I went uh, and I was a, in the Upper East Side. I taught at another school and there I had five classes. I always had five classes of kids. But at that school, what I noticed was that one of those classes was the free lunch class. And it was also t- tracked on a hundred percent tracked. Where it was all the um, black and brown kids? And they, all the IEPs were in one room, mm-hmm. and then there were like three sort of middling classes that were kind of just average kids and then there was the class where they where one kid was a professional tennis player and another one was the, a professional ballerina and another one's dad owned a fleet of uh livery cars so never did those profe- those kids of the elite in new york even though they went to a public school rub shoulders with the other seventh graders who were in the um iep black and brown a public housing class.
0: Yeah. Money plays a role even in all these different spaces with how they're experiencing education.
1: Yeah. And I could see, and so that is where I saw the first like radical inequity because my first two years, every class was just not funded well.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think that's what it is it's just in education all in all. Nothing is ever funded well.
1: And then I went to Chinatown and I taught in another school that was dual language, Mandarin and English. And um, uh, Rupert Murdoch's wife at the time was Chinese. Um, and so she had poured a lot of uh, money and gotten a lot of big name clout people mm-hmm. to, to put money into this uh, little charter school in Chinatown. So ha- going to these three different schools, Gave me this like bird's eye view of inequality in New York City because most teachers they go to one school and they're there forever.
0: Did that charter school pay you more?
1: No, 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 no. that's
0: what I would think because you think you hear so many teachers are getting taken out of the the state schooling system and taken into charter schools because it pays more. Yeah,
1: no, yeah, well, and charters are all bad, they're terrible places. They remind me of the um uh what was it the uh Native Americans would be taken out of their totally. reservations or the schools with their own communities and They're Carlisle forward
0: your own agenda yeah. because that's where they bring in religion and everything Betsy DeVos I think was someone that was like yeah let's bring in uh, religion through charter schools and so that's why I'm like uh education and religion mm-.
1: yeah totally unethical uh well yeah so charter schools are bad and then the one a lot of them um I think perpetuate terrible things within their communities because you'll focus on a child at the school who gets in and you say you're the best of your community, you're the talented 10th of your community, you're the entrepreneur, you're the winner, you're the go-getter, you're the one with grit and resilience. So now you create elitism within a community and um, while also detaching those kids from their community. Mm -hmm. So you're creating like literally overseers you're creating the entrepreneurs that are then going to not look uh that are not going to look at the people from where they came from as equal,
0: yeah, it's causing a rift within the marginalized community they came out from
1: yeah, it's like the little girl earlier that's like whose art is the best because she'd been ra- raised and poisoned by her mom to think about or and her dad hierarchy. too yeah, but I only I only met her mom, so that's why I say that so you're you're creating this sense of hierarchy yeah, yeah. and so, yeah, it is uh, weaponizing education, too, to create division rather than a sense of, of community.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a key, like, uh, effect of capitalism. All of these constructs that we have that are socially created, like race and gender and money, all to um, further hierarchies yeah and so we talk about money i guess i'd like to have your idea because i know you talk talked about communism in the past so
1: well and so well this comes right to uh, this ties into school a little bit you know totally. my totally my kids i teach uh, i teach um a civics class as well and one of the big components of it is activism and then we look through different movements uh mm-hmm. we s- specifically the civil rights movement and the lgbtq plus um liberation movements and they're like, oh yeah, hate is bad. Like, they've learned all the buzzwords. They're like, racism's bad. You know, hate is bad. Oh my gosh, it's terrible that Martin Luther King was assassinated. Oh, that's, we, we're so much better than that now, right, Gabe? Mm-hmm. That's how they feel. Like, they feel morally superior to mm-hmm. ba- the past because they think that we've overcome all these things. And then I say, well, uh, yeah, I guess legally segregation has ended, but look around, okay, I'd like you to know as public school students in New York City, this is the most segregated school system in the country. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all like, what? Shocked. And I go, well, look around. Like, you know, in some most of the rooms, it's like uh, 80% white kids and then like three Asian kids and maybe one black kid, yeah. right? And I go, so if we're fully integrated, like why is this classroom looking like this? Yeah. And then then I bring up uh, high schools and, uh, well, should all high schools be open in New York to everybody? Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the white kids will regurgitate things their parents told them about, well, no, testing's important because testing is what dictates whether or not you get into one of the good schools or not.
0: It's like, but have you even really thought about if, if testing is even good, if that even <laughs> really does anything? You
1: know, like, why is it that the... Um, that the, the three best magnet schools in New York City are entirely white and Asian, yeah. Yeah. you know? I
0: think that's really great that you're having them critically think about these things on a small scale something micro like just look around you so then once they can start understanding that they can start understanding the bigger picture of actually what you think is history that we've overcome is actually still happening today just loopholes around the legalities
1: yeah and and a lot and nobody ever thinks they're the villain right they look in the past and they go oh these these are like white People were all clansmen, mm-hmm. and it's like some of them maybe were, but uh, some of them believed like neoliberal nonsense like we believe today like well, it's all about merit or like well, who got the best grades? well, who studied the hardest, well, who had the most grit, well, who had the most resilience? well, who was the most mindful like yeah, yeah. we've just you we're now just using different words to we'll
0: fulfill the same thing, yes yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I guess what do you what are your thoughts on how money infiltrates not just education, then how we operate, how we navigate as a society here oh, oh in man. this Western
1: world? I think uh, as um, you know, I think we're we're creative people, and in and as creative people, I and in relationships as well, I always try to extricate myself from uh, a financial um, relationship with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I've always had a job. And that way, I can do stand up without being beholden to uh, a club or a booker yeah. or yeah. the gig. I never have to take in- the gig. Independence. Yeah. I never have to take the gig because I have another job. Mm-hmm. And with uh, relationships, uh, I, in the past, something I found that really killed the uh, passion mm-hmm. was uh, cohabitating and commingling funds, talking about rent with my. With a lover, mm-hmm. talking about paying bills with a lover, talking about splitting bills, anything or labor in the apartment, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you so clean
0: this, you clean that.
1: Yeah. Anytime we make it a, a corporation, uh, the only reason that people should hook up like that is to um, uh, socially reproduce, which means have children. Like yeah. it, when you have kids, maybe, yeah, you become a corporation.
0: But you don't want to have kids. Yeah,
1: but if I don't want to have kids, then there's no reason for me to play house with someone mm-hmm. in a capitalist way.
0: Yeah, yeah, only because things are so expensive. So because of the capitalist world we live in, you have to play house with someone just so we can afford to live.
1: Yeah, and that that is a compromise that leads to— uh, Breaking up. Yes, and so many people in New York make that— like hop into a live with your partner relationship early on because of money, you end up getting uh maladaptive, deformed relationships. Mm-hmm. These uh, weird, uh like you know, you're
0: adjusting. You're making adjustments. You're
1: making adjustments. It's like when you
0: have a back problem that you never get adjusted, and then over time you're just like a crooked ass I, fucking person. I was
1: the, a two-backed, be a two hunchbacked beast. Is what happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or if you watch George uh, John Car- John Carpenter's The Thing, when the <laughs> yeah, yeah. M- when the monster has like half human parts and half dog parts, and it's just or
0: zombies from Walking Dead, yeah. you just see a couple of zombies like, oh, they look like they've been living together yeah. for like two years.
1: The walking... dude, exactly. Walking Dead corpses on autopilot. Yeah. yeah. Just um. So you oh, we always we can never capitalism is not going away. Yeah. But. Uh, every day, you can take a little stand against it.
0: So, so, with taking stands against it, then I think about capitalism and how it informs so many holidays yeah. that we have. You know, um, Christmas. W- reason why I hate some holidays is because of the capitalist nature. You know, sure. and so we have Valentine's Day. How do you feel like you resist uh, these capitalist ideologies when holidays like Valentine's approaches?
1: Well, with any uh, anyone who I'm in a. Uh amorous relationship with you know i uh try to show up at to every um date as though it's like the first date so i always try to have like new first date energy and it's like just being your best
0: that's awesome okay gabe bringing it all right
1: so if you're being your best then there's no reason to have a day like valentine's day
0: i agree like mother's day i feel the same i want to make my mom feel loved and appreciated for the life she gave me every day yeah and on Mother's Day, I'm like, you know what, Mom, I'm actually busy today. But you know I love you because I show you all the other days. Diff-
1: <laughs> every day. I've yeah. call, I call you every day. Yeah. You know, or when we do hang out, it's a high-quality hangout. Mm-hmm. So um, really for me, uh, and this is a love language thing that people uh, have, has been brought up before. I don't know if it's a valid theory on the world. But the love language of, like, quality time, uh, for me, quality is more important than quantity yeah so uh if i show up and i'm here we hang out for 24 hours straight but i'm cranky and sick the whole time or tired the whole time and complaining well that's not fun so wouldn't it be better if i hang out with you for two hours and we do something that really excites you
0: yeah and that's what i think about valentine's when we go out quality over quantity everyone wants to go to a nice restaurant and i've served tables for so long Restaurants and shit on Valentine's. Fuck that. Why is this special? As a server, I don't give a fuck about you on Valentine's. Yeah. Give me my money. Get out. Let me turn this table.
1: That's right. So
0: why do you want to waste your Valentine's with me? You know.
1: And it's uh, it's performative. It's it feels like you're going through motions. It's yeah. it is a Walking Dead holiday. Yeah. It's yeah. like oh flowers, okay great. You know yeah. chocolates, okay great. I mean all of these are just like little, you know basic, t- Ugg boots accoutrement. Exactly. To, you don't really need.
0: Yeah. yeah, we don't need that. So I think any day we should be showing uh, showing up, as you say. Yeah,
1: just show up and be a good human to the person that you uh, – and by be good human, it's like f- f- ask them what they want. Ask them what they need. If somebody wants to go on a Valentine's Day and like, yeah. they tell me exactly what they want, then as a gift I can do that for them. I can be there for them. But I am not going out of my way to voluntarily say yeah. this is important we're going to make this important.
0: I would do that, but maybe over time I'd even be like, hey, I did it, but maybe we could talk about what it really means to us. So maybe next year I don't have to perform in this way. Yeah, I don't want to do that. (laughs) That shows me something about you, which I think you've shared with me. You mentioned now, um, you know, kind of listening to what they want, which shows me like you care about being heard. Yeah. And you care about making sure your person is feeling heard. So what we like to end with here is just asking our guest, How can someone, anyone, all of us love you better?
1: Oh, you know, I I put myself out there in public, and when I hear feedback from other people that they listen to something, that they like something I said, that they share it, that to me is uh, how people can show me that they love me.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well then, on that note, people can show you they love you um, by listening in and tuning in to your podcast, uh, Halal Cartels.
1: Boom. Right there, baby. Halal Cartels. Check it out. Uh, we put out episodes once a week, and it's me, uh, the cartels part, and my co-hosts, uh, uh, sorry, Samir, Samir. It's Samir.
0: so late I'm like, Samir are you waiting Nassim. for the South Asian to name him? What the hell, you racist fuck?
1: <laughs> Samir Yeah, <laughs> so my co-host Samir Nassim and I And we put out episodes every week
0: Nice, and shoot out your uh, Instagram real quick too Oh yeah, it's Gabe Pack
1: one G-A-B-E-P-A-C The number one
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for coming out. Shanti, this was great. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate Aww. you. To... Thank you again for tuning in. Please follow us on Spotify, subscribe on YouTube, give us a five-star rating on Spotify. I always appreciate that. Take care of yourself. Until next time, Shanti out.